Heavenly Father, we want to thank you tonight, Lord. We thank you, Father, for sending your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to to fix everything that was wrong with us, to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, to that he loved us enough to sacrifice himself on our behalf. And he died that we might live. And Father, we we are here and we gather here tonight in, in worship and praise and thankfulness to you. And Lord, we pray that the reality of what your Son did for us would live in our lives as we learn about it and as your Word works its way into our heart and our, through our lives. We pray that people would be touched and moved and affected by the things that we learn here. And we pray it in our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 12. Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's stop there for a moment. We uh, we come out of uh, out of chapter eleven now, which is the end of that uh, that section. Romans nine, ten, and eleven, talking about the dispensational change that has uh, that has occurred. And Paul, we saw last week, closes that uh, that portion of scripture out with a. Uh, with with a wonder and a, a, a doxology to the the sovereignty and the mercy and the goodness of God at the end of chapter eleven he says uh, chapter eleven verse thirty for as ye in times past have not believed God yet have now obtained mercy through their Israel's unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. So Paul concludes this uh, that dispensational section um, of of this epistle with that uh, with that conclusion that that the end of all of that the end of the dispensational change and 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 movement of God is mercy mercy to the Gentiles who hadn't obtained mercy who just uh, recently were without Christ and aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise had no hope and without God in the world uh, and mercy toward the nation of Israel. And Paul says that you in time past, you didn't believe, but now because they uh, came into unbelief and, and, and fell into blindness, now you get mercy, but your mercy is also an opportunity for them to obtain mercy. And the conclusion is that God hath concluded them all, Jews and Gentiles, the whole world, in unbelief. Why? So that He could judge them all? No, so that He could have mercy 
upon all. So the 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 end of all of this uh, this dispensational um, upheaval and 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 turning is that the whole world comes under the mercy of God. So as we come here into chapter 12, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So what Paul is doing here as we come into chapter 12, what he's going to do now from from here on through the rest of of the book of Romans, is he's been talking uh, primarily up until now about doctrine. He's told us about the the fallen state of man. He's told us about the uh, the hopeless situation of the Gentiles, and he's told us about the blindness of the Jews. He's told us about the solution in the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation by faith. He's told us about uh, how our old man is dead with Christ. He's he's given us all of this doctrine. He's told us about Israel and what's happened to them and where they are today. Now we're coming into a practical uh, portion of this uh, of this epistle, and it, it's not so cleanly divided like that. Paul's been practical all along here, but you'll see in Paul's epistles when you uh, as you read and study Paul's epistles, he tends to do this. He tends to give you the doctrine first, and then he gives you practical application. And the reason is that we can't uh, present ourselves before God and we can't offer ourselves in service to God until we have uh, some doctrine, until we have some truth. You can't walk blindly before God. We've said before, your Christian life will never function on the basis of ignorance. Our Christian life always functions on the basis of knowledge of truth, of understanding, of knowing some things, and then putting that knowledge into practical use. So you've got, you've got to have the doctrine first. But you can't stop with the doctrine. Because you don't want to learn things and not have them be put to use in your life. Listen, we are accountable for the things that we know. We are accountable for the light that we have. And we are accountable to uh, to walk in the light that we have. And as we do that, God will give more light and enable us to uh, uh, to live more and more to His glory. When we stop walking in the light that we have, then it just becomes knowledge that puffs up, and it begins to work the other way. So, so there's always this this pattern. You see it. Uh, you see it strongly in the in the book of Ephesians. If you if you read the we're not going there, but if you read the book of Ephesians, what you'll notice is six chapter book. You're not asked to do a single thing in the first three chapters of Ephesians. Not a thing. It's all truth and doctrine. Then chapter four. He comes in and he says, Therefore, let us walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. And he goes on through those next three chapters, the second half of that book, uh, with all practical instruction based on the doctrine that you got in the first half of the book. So that's, uh, that's what we're seeing here. And, and Paul says, 
I beseech, so he's beseeching us by the mercies of God. By, the, by our understanding so far, Paul has brought us, the mercies of God is a reference back up to verse 30 and 31 and 32 there of chapter 11. And what he's doing is he's appealing to the understanding that he has brought us to so far of the mystery, of the dispensation that you and I live in today. Paul could uh, could threaten us by the law, but he doesn't do that because God isn't doing that today. He could enjoin us. Uh, you remember, over come over to uh, Philemon. You remember what he says to Philemon just before Hebrews, last last of the Pauline epistles. He Paul beseeches us by the mercies of God because he is uh, he has brought us this far into the understanding of the mystery of this dispensation of what God is doing today and what God is doing today uh, he he beseeches us now there are commands in Paul's epistles but when it comes to um, when it comes to your relationship with the Lord God beseeches you. Paul, uh, as an ambassador for Christ, beseeches the world, be ye reconciled to God. And it is a, um, it is a, a motivation of love today. The book of Philemon, you remember uh, Philemon? Paul is uh, sending Onesimus back to Philemon. And he says in uh, Philemon verse 8, just after... Uh, Titus and Timothy, Timothy, Titus, and then Philemon. Um, Paul says, verse 8, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, that enjoin there is, is a... Uh, is a, a kind of a, a legal term. It, it means a command, but it, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm, basically, I'm putting this law on you. The uh, the the devils enjoined Christ not to uh, not to cast them out into a into a far country and so forth. They were they were bringing up the word of God that it wasn't time yet. Therefore, you can't do this. He says, "I could be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee." being such an one as Paul, the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So that is the, the, the spirit of this dispensation. Uh, I, I could enjoin you, Paul says. I could command. I could tell you, Philemon, here's what you need to do. But for love's sake, I rather beseech thee. I want you to do it of your own mind and of your own will, back in, in Romans chapter 12. And that's what the Lord is looking for from us. We're not, uh, we're not the children of Israel. That, that uh, God needs to stand over us with a rod. We, uh, we are adult sons in this dispensation. And that that dispensational change and, and upheaval that we've been uh, that we've been reading about in these last three chapters is a uh, a sort of 
coming of age a spiritual coming of age for the for the the world and the and the, the purpose of God in its progression and you move from the people of God being children to being full-grown sons and daughters of God so you don't deal with a with a with an adult the way you do with a child so he says i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god by what i just told you about about what's happening in this dispensation and how it all uh washes out to the mercy of god i beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now what Paul is talking about here, what he's, what, he, what he's doing is he's contrasting everything that we've just seen about the law. You remember what he said back in chapter 9? Come back there with me. He's talking about service. Chapter 9 He says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Verse 3. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises... You see, the service of God belonged to that nation of Israel. Well, now, we've just seen in, in, in here in chapter 9 and 10 and 11 that that nation doesn't hold that position anymore. So now what? Now what happens? Well, now it's for you and me, the body of Christ, to carry on the service of God. Not by uh, a... Levitical or Aaronic priesthood, not by animal sacrifices, not by types and shadows and all of those things, but Paul says, present yourselves to God a living sacrifice. So the, the, the era and the age of, of slain sacrifice, of dead sacrifices is over. We, we, we've just gone through all of that here in Romans. That's why Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, based on what I've said up until now, the, there is still a sacrificial uh, uh, system, if you will. But we are now the sacrifices. And we're not dead sacrifices. We're living sacrifices. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, not by the law, not by types and by shadows, but by the truth of this dispensation of grace, that you present yourself... You know what you present to God? You present a sacrifice to God. That's what you present to God. They came in that Old Testament, and they brought their sacrifices, and they presented it to the priest. And the priest killed it. And they they offered that sacrifice to God. What does he say? Holy and acceptable unto the Lord. That all that language is, is language of the sacrificial system. Whether a sacrifice is going to be... Abel's sacrifice was acceptable and accepted. Cain's was not. They, 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 brought, they couldn't bring a, a, 
a lamb with a blemish or a spot that wasn't acceptable. Only a lamb without spot and without blemish would be acceptable. The language there, holy, sanctified, um, and acceptable unto God, presenting it, that's, that's all hearkening back to Israel's sacrificial system. And you say, well, what is Paul doing? Is he saying that we're continuing the, the, you know, what Israel did? No, exactly the opposite. What Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 12 is that what's happening today under the mercies of God is a replacement. Replaces. That is, that stuff is gone. And here now is how we serve God. Here now is reasonable service. Not bringing uh, animal sacrifices, but presenting ourselves. Presenting ourselves. Now, he says here that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So this is a very practical, that's why I say to you, this is we're getting into this practical uh, portion of Scripture here. This isn't something that you can do uh, just in your mind. You know, people say, well, I don't, you know, I don't go to church. I worship God in my own way, just in the privacy of my own heart. Well, that's fine. You ought to worship God in the privacy of your own heart. But you know what Paul says here? Present your body. He doesn't say present your heart. He doesn't say present your soul. He says present your body. Show up. You know when you present your body? When you present yourself... Uh, Soldiers present themselves to, the, to their general. We're ready for service. The priests presented themselves before God. <clears throat> We're ready for service. You present your body to God because you're, you're ready and you're being called. You're answering the call to do something, to work. So he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Come, come back with me to uh, get Leviticus chapter 22. There are some living sacrifices in the Bible. Uh, the first one, I think, that, that comes to mind is Isaac. You remember Isaac? Yeah. yeah. Isaac got up on that altar... If you think uh, 100 and some odd year old Abraham was able to overcome his teenager, young adult son and overpower him and force him onto that altar, you got another thing coming. Uh, 22. Isaac got up on that altar when God told Abraham to offer up your son, your only son, and he was ready to give himself in sacrifice. And God stopped Abraham, and he provided a ram instead. And Isaac got up off that altar a living sacrifice. Now, that's a shadow. It's a picture. It's a type. Here in Leviticus chapter 2, we've got another living sacrifice that's a, a, a shadow. These, um, these types... They're good for uh, 
they're good for instruction, but you understand that uh, that we're not living in the in the age of types today. That's Paul's whole point that we we are beyond uh, the types and the shadows into the substance. Um, oh, Leviticus chapter twenty-two. Verse uh, verse 19, Ye shall offer at your own will a male without blemish of the beeves, of the sheep, or of the goats, but whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall ye not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. Paul says, Offer your, yourselves, your, your bodies, a living sacrifice acceptable unto the Lord. And that... Uh, goat there with a blemish is not acceptable. Now, there is a sacrifice that involves two goats. You know what a scapegoat is, right? There is a scapegoat sacrifice where you bring two goats and you kill one and you let the other one go. Now that's a living sacrifice. You offer, you offer them both before the Lord. One gets killed, and the other, you put your hand on his head and confess the sins, and you put all the sins of the people on him, and you shoo him off into the wilderness, and he carries all the sins away, but he gets away, he escapes. He's a scapegoat. The picture there, again, is the same as Isaac. Those two goats are the Lord Jesus Christ, dying and, and living. And all of these things are a are a picture, but you know who's the real living sacrifice is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom all those types depict. Come back over to uh, come back over to Romans chapter. Look at chapter six. You know we talk about a living sacrifice, and I've said before. The problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps wanting to crawl off the altar. A dead sacrifice is better because it stays put, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, and there's, and there's truth in that, and there's a lesson in that to, to think about, but a living sacrifice here is not a sacrifice that hasn't died. And that's where Isaac and the scapegoat uh, fall short. A living sacrifice is not a sacrifice that hasn't died. A living sacrifice is a sacrifice that has died and rose again. The Lord Jesus Christ is a living sacrifice. You and I are living sacrifices. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. We're talking about presenting your bodies. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. See, we are living sacrifices. But that's not because we haven't died. It's because we have died and we've been risen again. You remember that was the whole uh, movement and message of of, of chapter 6 and 7 and 8. And Paul is calling that to our mind. 
And Paul says, and we've looked at the verse already, he tells the Corinthians, we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. That's the idea. A living sacrifice. We have died. We have been consecrated upon the altar. We have given. Our lives have been given in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We died with him on that cross. Therefore, we are now living sacrifices unto God. Holy and acceptable unto him. Back in chapter 12. What Paul is doing is he's taking everything that he's told us so far in this book and he says, I beseech you, therefore. Now that, that therefore, there in, in verse 1, it's the, the immediate uh, antecedent to that is the last verse of chapter 11. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, that you who are of Him and through Him be also to Him. So there's that immediate context. There is the kind of larger context that we've been talking about, about the mercies of God and the dispensational truth that we understand. And therefore, we offer ourselves not uh, religious dead works, but we offer ourselves, our bodies, sacrifices. And then there is the larger, even still, context of the whole book of everything that we've seen so far. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You remember what... uh, What Paul says, come over to Ephesians chapter 5. Aren't we accepted in the Beloved? Well, sure we are. So, Paul says here, let's present ourselves as acceptable. We are accepted. So, let's present ourselves that way. Ephesians chapter 5. Talking about uh, marriage, verse 25, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. What did we just read in Leviticus 22? Can't have a blemish, can't have a spot but that it should be holy and without blemish. See that? Holy and without blemish. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, without spot, without blemish. You know, we, we sometimes may be tempted to think, well, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this over here. i got this little section of my life over here that you know the Lord really would, probably wouldn't be happy with, but it's just a little thing. God doesn't accept a lamb with a spot. Now, I'm not telling you he's going to reject you. I'm telling you that that's not uh, offering yourself holy and acceptable unto him. 
Listen. The Lord Jesus Christ took our place, died in our stead, a lamb without spot and blemish. He represented us in, in his sacrifice. Now we are called to represent him in ours. Now think about that. If you can, if you can hear that, and if you can know that that's true, and say, yep, sounds good, got it covered, there's a problem. We represent Christ. Now there is no way that, you, that, 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 we can, that we can pull that off or come anywhere near it outside of the power that, that works in us as we present our bodies, as we present ourselves in service to God, whether it be showing up in church and hearing the word, presenting ourselves uh, here uh, before and to, to study and to read and to devote, to present ourselves in prayer, to present ourselves in, uh, in service to Him. That's how we... Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be reconciled to God. The, the mystery of godliness is God manifest in the flesh. That's Christ in you and me. We represent Him as He represented us. And the way He represented us was in sacrifice. And the way we represent Him is in sacrifice. And you can't represent Christ with a spot or a blemish because He didn't have one. You saying I have to be perfect or God won't accept me? No, you're perfect in Christ. But what we're looking at here is our service toward God and our dedication and our consecration and our uh, our understanding of what He's done for us and and our uh, reasonable response. He gave His all for us. We give our all for Him. It's not a couple hours a week. It's not when I feel like it. It's instant, in season, out of season. Always. We're living sacrifices. We don't get off that altar. Praise God. Back in uh, Romans chapter 12. Now this... um, As we as we come in here to this portion of scripture, and all of this is kind of introduction into the rest of the book of Romans, these first couple of verses give you kind of a kind of a flavor for where Paul's headed here. What what we're coming into here is the end. You know, we've been talking all through this study in the book of Romans about the logical progression and the arguments that Paul makes, and how 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 kind of a linear and and logical and and sensible he is. And we're coming here into the uh, kind of the conclusion of the argument that the the last therefore. If you if you come back to uh, come back over to chapter two, and let's follow this chain of uh, of Paul's reasoning here through this book. Romans chapter two, Paul kind of carries us through the uh, 
the reason he says this is your reasonable service it's reasonable now you can take that to mean well this is your reasonable service it's not unreasonable for God to ask you after all he's done to be uh, living sacrifices for him and that's true but remember also that our faith is a reasonable faith and Paul was was chosen among other reasons I believe for the way that God uh, knew that he would he would be able to present this and yes he's speaking God's word here but you know that God uses the personalities of the men that that he calls and Paul was very well suited to to lay out this this reasonable doctrine that that we know as the mystery this unsearchable wisdom of God that that God gave to him here in in Romans chapter 2 let's follow it through Romans chapter 2 verse 1 therefore there's the first one therefore thou art inexcusable O man whosoever thou art that judgest for wherein thou judgest another thou condemnest thyself for thou that judgest doest the same things so therefore the first therefore is that thou O man art inexcusable the next one in chapter 3 and verse 20 Therefore, because you're inexcusable, there you being general you, there by the therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So because we when we judge other people, we are showing that we understand the law, and because we understand the law, we have the knowledge of sin and we condemn ourselves, therefore you can't be justified by the law. Because by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So that's the next logical conclusion. After he, I'm giving you the conclusions. We're not, we've already looked at the arguments. But the arguments are there in between these therefores, in between these conclusions. So therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Chapter 5, verse 1. The next conclusion, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's you see the, the, the progression here of the logic. Uh, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 8, verse 1. After he goes through uh, chapters 6 and 7 and talks about all those things, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So that's the next logical conclusion. We're justified by faith. We, if because of that, we have peace with God. Because of that, there is no condemnation. And then you go down and you, and you look in verse uh, 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. And that's a logical conclusion coming off of the, the chain so far. And then where we are in chapter 12, because we are not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh, chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So where we are here in chapter 12 as we come into this kind of intense uh, call to service and you think the, uh, the Aaronic priesthood was intense with its continual continual sacrifices continual burning continually keeping those those lamps lit making sure that they that they didn't go out and continually keeping up the tabernacle and then the temple and the service and hundreds and thousands ministered there and 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 all of that service that never ending service well that's 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 shadows those, those things are types. Those things are pictures. You and I, now that the Lord Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law, you and I now, the sacrificial system, if you will, in the dispensation of grace, resides in us. It's you and me. The sacrifice has already been made. Now we're just responding in kind. We're living out the fulfillment that, that, that Christ brought. The, the law, and that's what you're going to see as we go through this coming portion of Scripture, the law is fulfilled. It was fulfilled in Christ, and it is fulfilled in us. The righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us. It's come to perfection. It's come to fruition in us, the body of Christ. So we are to present our bodies living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So this is the conclusion that we've come to so far. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So now we've got a choice here in this uh, in in verse two. You and I have been uh, have been resurrected. We've been raised again, new creatures. We talked about this: the old man, the new man, and 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 you, me, in the middle. We talked about that when we were back in chapter 6 and 7. We've got a choice to make. We can either be conformed to this world or we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You remember what Paul said back in uh, in chapter 8? Come on back there with me. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now listen, that's talking about the, the, the resurrection, the redemption of our body being conformed to the image of Christ, our glorification. And what Paul is calling us to is to present ourselves now as if we were being presented then. 
We just read Christ uh, washes and sanctifies the church that he might present it to himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. When you and I get uh, to the judgment seat and through the judgment seat, we're going to be presented to God. Paul says we teach and warn every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. You and I are going to be presented to God. Paul says he that raised up Christ from the dead is going to present us with you. There's a presentation coming. When we get up there, Paul says, present yourselves to God now as holy and acceptable. So we can't be uh, conformed to this world. Galatians, Paul says that Christ died for us to deliver us from this present evil world. And all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, right? You know, we have a... We have a, uh, you know, uh, you know, Darwin uh, had a, he had a, uh, he had a kernel of, of truth on a kind of a uh, micro level, not on a macro level, and that is that things tend to conform to their environment. Species don't change from one species to another. It doesn't happen on a on a macro level, but it happens on a micro level. Things adapt. To their surroundings and you and I were kind of we're really no different we have a tendency to to allow ourselves to be formed into the mold that uh, that we find ourselves in the midst of and Paul says don't be conformed to that to that mold but be transformed by the renewing of your mind how do you renew your mind it's in this book in the Word, reading, in prayer, being guided by the Holy Spirit. We are renewed in knowledge according to the image of Him that created us. So we can take our worldview from the world out there. We can take our worldview from, uh, from God's perspective according to His mercies, according to what we know uh, is true in this dispensation. And let me tell you something else. Um, that worldliness... Come over to uh, Philippians. We'll close up. That's not just um, you know murder and thievery and adultery and and all of those kind of things. You know that. Philippians and uh, and chapter three. Paul tells the Colossians while you're turning to Philippians. He says, you've been risen with Christ. Why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not. Why are you going back to that Jewish uh, stuff? See, and that's what Paul's talking about too here in Romans chapter 12. That's why he beseeches us by the mercies of God. By the fact that everything that we just learned in, in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 and how the dispensation has changed and He beseeches you by your knowledge of that change not to be conformed to the religious world, to that Jewish world. Philippians uh, chapter 3, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision 
For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And he goes on and he talks about his old religion and and getting away from that. And then he says, uh, verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. What did we just learn in, in chapter 11? That as concerning the gospel, the Jews are enemies for our sake. Well, who's he talking about here? They're the enemies of the cross of Christ. Well, what is our gospel but the preaching of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? And he says, I tell you even weeping, like he said back in Romans chapter 10, I have continual, or chapter 9, I have continual sorrow in my heart for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. These are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Remember, beloved enemies, but enemies nonetheless. Many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame and who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. So when Paul says, be not conformed to this world, he's not just talking about uh, overt sins and fornication and murders and that kind of thing. He's talking about the religious system out there. That worldly touch not, taste not, handle not. And Paul beseeches us not to get uh, caught up into that, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind based on what he's taught us. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, not by the law, not by the old dispensation, by what God is doing today, I beseech you, present yourselves to God in that knowledge, in that light. You see how important it is to know what God's doing today. You can't present yourself wholly acceptable unto God in the way that Paul's talking about there in Romans chapter 12 without having some understanding of the Word of God rightly divided and what God's doing today. And that's that's the call there. It's total consecration. It's the whole burnt offering. You and I have been slain and risen again. Paul says, present yourselves, offer your, your members as servants as those that are alive from the dead. So all this stuff that we're learning... Now we get to now we get to put it into practice and we're done